It's another day, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome back to Iowa's Newsworthy Past. The following episode includes items published in the Postville Review in Postville, Iowa on Saturday, September 11th, 1886. The issues made up. The Democrats and Greenbackers on Monday placed a nomination for Congress for this district, Honor W.C. Earl of Wakan, as was expected. Thus, the fight is open, and for the next two months nearly, the district will be plowed by the two candidates and their supporters. It will be a hot contest. While we do not believe that Doc Earl will prove an exceptionally popular candidate, he will be no such a foeman as Calamity Weller. He is a worker from the ground up, and he knows just where and when to do effective work. While we believe that Mr. Fuller will be elected, we should not want to wager a large amount that we have not got on it. Unless Republican disaffection can be healed and an enthusiasm kindled, the result may be disastrous. We shall watch the course of events and will make no further comments at present. Foul Murder Near West Union Tuesday's debut papers contained accounts of a sickening murder committed last Saturday night about six miles west of West Union. The following account is from a correspondent of the Times. West Union, September 6th. Our community was startled Sunday morning by a report that A. Pack, a farmer, aged 74 years and residing seven miles west of town, had been murdered Saturday night and that his wife, aged about 60 years, and a friend, A. Leonard, aged about 70 years, who was stopping with them, had been dangerously wounded by the assassins. Sunday morning, your correspondent visited the scene of the tragedy and found upwards of 200 people already on the ground. At the gate, ten rods from the house, lay old man Peck in a pool of blood, with his head pounded beyond recognition. At the house lay Mrs. Peck in a dying condition, and Mr. Leonard sat in a chair, nursing his wounds and conversing with his friends. About noon, the coroner arrived and proceeded to hold an inquest. From careful inquiry, I learned the following facts. Peck and Leonard had been at West Union Saturday and returned to Peck's house a little before sundown. Peck lived on one of Leonard's farms, and as Leonard had no family, the Pecks insisted that he should remain overnight. They put out their team and fed them, and then had supper. About 9.20 p.m., they went to bed in the only bedroom in the house. In this room was two beds, one with the head to west and the other with the head to the north. In the west of the bedroom was a window, and in the south, a door opening into the sitting room. About 11 o'clock p.m., Leonard was aroused by the report of a pistol and by being hit by a ball which struck him in the breast. He arose and exclaimed, I am shot. And about the same instant, Mrs. Peck said, I am shot in the head. And Peck also said, I am shot. 
All this time, the assassin was firing his pistol into the room occupied by the parties. Leonard says the first shot was fired through the window and the subsequent shots through the door of the bedroom. The assaulted parties closed the door as best they could and remained quiet. After a delay of a few seconds, Leonard discovered that there was a blaze in the sitting room. The door was opened and they found an armful of hay on fire in the sitting room and the casing of the floor on fire. Peck ventured into the room and took a pail of water standing there and put out the fire. He then lit his lantern and in his nightdress, unarmed and unaided, started in pursuit of the assassin. He met him only two rods from the gate, and there is every indication of a violent struggle. A stream of blood a rod long and an inch wide could be seen early in the morning indicating that the old man had been struck a violent blow, but yet insufficient to knock him down. Then there was a pool of blood as if he had fallen and bled freely, and then a few feet farther on he was found, and the clothing of the man and the ground about him were deluged of blood with blood. After Peck left the house, Mrs. Peck and Leonard, who was old, lame, and quite infirm physically, remained in the bedroom as quietly as they could and frightened beyond expression. The house where the tragedy occurred is isolated and the occupants beyond hearing of any of the neighbors. In the morning, as soon as it was light enough to see, Leonard left the house and found Peck lying dead at the gate and then went to the nearest neighbors and gave the alarm. Mrs. Peck by this time was unable to leave her bed and was fast thinking when the physicians and help arrived. By stimulating and warming her, she soon revived and returned to consciousness. Yesterday evening, the doctors thought that she would die. While the fire was blazing in the room, Mrs. Peck and Leonard each recognized the assassin as one Henry Smith, a young German who had worked for the Pecks during the summer and who left them about ten days ago. Mrs. Peck at the time of the tragedy called him by name. He is about 19 years of age, a Bavarian boy by birth, and has been in this country about 16 months. He is about 5 feet 5 inches high, weighs 134 pounds, and speaks English fluently. The sheriff was on the ground early, and about 10 o'clock arrested Smith at the Lutheran church where he had gone to attend church according to his usual habit. Several young men shadowed him for some time, awaiting the arrival of the sheriff. The sheriff also secured his revolver, which had been recently emptied, and some cartridge shells and balls found at the house, which evidently belonged to the revolver. In a conversation with Mr. Leonard, I learned that his wound, while painful, was not considered dangerous. He seemed clear-headed, as he could be expected, after the ordeal through which he had passed. Mrs. Peck was shot in the head. There is a rumor this morning that she is dead, but it has not been definitely learned at this time whether the report is true or not. The motive assigned for the murder is a difficulty between Peck and Smith over a balance of $18 claimed by Smith as wages due him from Peck 
and which he refused to pay, and for which amount Smith sued Peck, which suit was to have been heard today. The general impression is that the boy is not alone in the tragedy, but that others are implicated, and that new developments are expected. This is beyond question the worst tragedy which has occurred in the history of this county. Manager Whip has been corresponding with the Wakan Baseball Nine for some time, with a view to another game between that nine and the Postvilles, but can get no satisfaction from them, only that they will play on their ground. This, of course, is not right or just, and our boys will not accept the terms, and hence it is safe to say no game will take place between these clubs this season. The clubs met before at Myron on ground equally new to both clubs. The Postvilles won that game and are entitled to demand that the next game shall be played either on the same ground or on ground new to both clubs. For some unaccountable reason, Wakan will play nowhere except at home with our club. The Independence Ball Club failed to materialize at West Union on Friday to play the Postville 9 as agreed upon. It was shabby treatment of our boys after they had gone to the expense of getting out posters, hiring teams, and spending a day to meet them. Now if they should want to play our boys, they will have to come here, but they probably will not come. It was sufficiently humiliating to fail to come to time, but perhaps they thought it was less so than to meet our boys and get scooped. The Battle of Gettysburg. We beg leave to advise our readers to be sure and not forget to see the panorama of the Battle of Gettysburg while in Chicago during the exposition. Take advantage of the low rates and see Gettysburg. There's no picture in the world like this of Gettysburg. No other picture presents such a scope of country or gives such a thrilling representation of a battle. It is no wonder it is called Chicago's Pride and Greatest Artistic Attraction.